What's up, everybody? I'm Brian Barrett, former Boston sports radio guy and now host of the new Ringer show, Off the Pike, that'll cover your favorite Boston teams and stories. From Fenway to Foxborough to the Garden and beyond, we're reacting to all the biggest games and moments with episodes at least three times a week featuring myself and some of your favorite guests at the Ringer and in the city. Plus, if the Celtics or the Pats make a surprise trade, if the Red Sox go on a run, or if any news breaks, we'll drop bonus instant reaction episodes too, so you're always up to date with the latest chatter. Get in on the action and follow off the pike with me, Brian Barrett, now on Spotify. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud, or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly, Craig Horlbeck. If you're wondering who to start, who to sit at week five for fantasy football, we have our rankings are out at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. The default is super flex, so two quarterback rankings, the quarterbacks at the top. If you want to just see any position, you click on running back, a receiver, whatever. If you can combine positions to create a flex rankings, whatever you want, we got it at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Check it out. We're recording this on Thursday, so practice injury reports are kind of trickling in. But we're checking in week five for the weekend. Just what's the vibes? What's the vibe check? Kind of going into the weekend <laughs> for week five. We're going to do it with, scat- with categories, not categories. Good game, though. We're starting, as always, with the Sunday scaries because that's just the weekend feeling. It's like you have a good Friday, Saturday, you get to Sunday, oh, Sunday scaries. DK. The pit in your stomach. Is, yeah. What is the pit in your stomach? What's kind of giving you that anxiety, that agita? on Sunday this week. Well, first of all, I, I love your opening monologues on the Friday show. Um, Do you? Let me put that out there. And then, yeah, so one of the things, I wrote about this this week, and I think it's very fascinating um, because right now, there just aren't any elite, elite running backs in, in football, in fantasy football. What about Saquon? Saquon Barkley is like, I guess, the outlier this year because he's gotten just incredible, incredible, incredible amounts of volume. It's everything you dream about and more. He's getting like, 80% of the snaps, like down the line, he's getting the most carries in the NFL. He has the most scrimmage yards in the NFL. He's running a route on like the most uh, routes per team dropback of any running back. So he's doing everything you want from a running back. Here's the problem. He's the RB1 in PPR, but he is the lowest scoring RB1. I saw this uh, from Ryan McDowell. He pointed this out. Lowest scoring RB1 in 25 years through four, year, uh, through four weeks of the season. So basically like at this point in the season, he is the lowest scoring RB1 in 25 years. Isn't Nick Chubb the RB1? In ha- well, Nick so Chubb in is half the- PPR, ha- yeah. he is. But in PPR, which, I mean, regardless, like, 
both of these guys, Chubb and Barkley, like whether they're the highest scoring running back in whatever format, like wow. both are historically like low score. It's like been an underwhelming year for running backs in general. So basically, so, since fantasy yeah. football has been played on the internet, this is <laughs> right. like the lowest ceiling running back performance as of a year as through we've four seen weeks. Thus far. Yeah, through that's so, surprising so considering Chubb's at eighty-two points. I mean, he still put up twenty a game. That's still not what it used to be. That's yeah. I mean, but if you look back, and, and I'm I went off of PPR, but like I think half PPR and PPR are pretty similar. I mean, if you look back to a couple years ago, like Todd Gurley was averaging twenty-five plus points a game. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, his legendary season was like 29 points a game in PPR. And Saquon here is averaging 21. And he's the RB1. Like, this is just not as big of a difference maker as we've seen in the past. Like, basically, if, in the past, if you had those guys, you were going to win your league, whether you had dog shit other players, basically. You just had that big of an advantage. Um, so this year, it's just different. And, and I did a big deep dive into why that is. Basically, it's a, a huge confluence of factors that are just holding running backs down this year. If you guys want me, I can just run through them. Run through them. Start running. Yeah, All right. run. Jog. jog. Are you, you gotta stre- I feel like in your 40s now, you got to stretch before you run, though. You'll just do that. <laughs> you, don't see, you don't see lions stretching. You don't see cheetahs stretching on the Serengeti. I'm not going to do that. That's just the same Tyreek Hill would say. <laughs> uh, actually, walking is great for you. I do a lot of walking. That's, that's, my, that's my exercise regimen. Um, anyways. Everybody says that, but like, I, yeah, don't even get me started. I know. <laughs> All right, you guys are young pups. Like, don't worry about it yet. I just feel like everybody who says, like, I walk over run is not in shape. But <laughs> I, yeah, I, well, I, I, for the record, that's not like I'm bragging, but I did lose like 30 pounds walking. I'm with Craig, but then I liked DK's wry smile of just wait for the burden of time to hit these. Dude, two just idiots. wait, wait for 15 <laughs> years. Talk to me in 15 years when sitting for too long a period of time will like make your whole body sore. Anyway, maybe we're I'm just not trusting the science. Okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's go back we're, to criticizing all the running backs for really good shape. <laughs> Sorry, all right. All right, so here I'm gonna just run through the reasons pretty quickly. Uh, number one, and this one's obvious: teams are using running back committees way more than they used to, and it's a mm-hmm. logical thing that teams do. Like they're trying not to wear out all their running backs. They're walking for exercise instead of just sprinting through everything, jogging sprinting backs. through life. Um, number two, teams are running less often. In fact, this year. They're averaging 24, uh, 26.4 rush attempts per game, which is lower than last year and well off the number from 2020. So rushing attempts are going down. Obviously, that's not good for running backs. Teams are rushing for fewer touchdowns. Again, that's probably related to the number of uh, rushes that they're having. But I, generally speaking, just like passing touchdowns are up, running touchdowns are down. And not only are overall rushing totals down, but quarterbacks and receivers are vulturing those rushing that rushing production at a higher rate than we've seen in the past. So basically, you see quarterbacks stealing goal line carries. You see re- uh, receivers like Debo Samuel is like he's like half of a running back now. So he's taking they're doing end end arounds and stealing some. Of that yeah, or like production. Claypool Cup, Justin Jefferson, totally. just get like these jet sweeps and stuff like that. More creative uses. Of it's not huge, but yeah, there's there's three of those a game now. Like quarterbacks have 168 designed runs. I'm not even counting scrambles. They have 168 designed runs this year per True Media. Last year. It was 165. Going back three years, 2019, 115 through four weeks. So obviously the rate of quarterback runs is going up exponentially. Well, not exponentially, but at a pretty good clip. I was going to say, it's definitely not what exponentially means. <laughs> you meant like 50%. I corrected not. myself, all right? <laughs> exponentially is what people say now when they were like, a lot. Yeah, this is like a that's high so magnitude. True. 
orders of magnitude. How's that? That doesn't yeah. actually make sense either. Everybody That's does use either. that word though to just mean like it's going up a little bit. <laughs> Exponentially is when like you get a penny and double it every day for a month and then you have like a billion dollars. That's a million what dollars. <laughs> um, all right. Continue. Wait, I have, wait, can I have, add one more word to that pot? Everyone uses the word peruse incorrectly. It's, <laughs> the word peruse sounds like you just glance over something like, oh, let me just peruse the menu. Peruse means to like thoroughly read something, like carefully read something. Yes. But everyone Shit. thinks it's the word. Peruse literally sounds like I'm just going to casually glance at something. Craig, have you ever looked that. at any of the ringers draft guides or like? Are, are we all of our guides have the word peruse in them. Are you I think serious? Wait, like the, I'm, the I just look, the definition of peruse: examine carefully or at length. That's no, so everyone funny. uses that word wrong. It's literally the opposite of how it's used. That's yes, so that's crazy. Yeah, uh, wow. I did not know that. My mind is a little bit blown. All right, back to the running back thing. Some of the uh, some more of the reasons that running back production has gradually gone down, and it's down a lot this year. Teams are not passing to running backs as much anymore. Lower, lower, lower target rate this year than last year. Um, much, much lower than like 2018, 2019 seasons. It's gone down several percent, which is obviously huge over a full season. Um, and importantly, passes to running backs this year, thus far at least, have been far less efficient than they were last year, the year before. 6.8 yards per catch this year compared to 7.9 last year. Basically, and, and anecdotally, it just feels like there's no explosive plays in the passing game anymore for running backs. Like, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, well is so, this all boiled down to the, like, how much is the defensive scheme playing into this? Like the two high shells, keeping everything in front of you and c- allowing teams to pass in the, in the intermediate to short distance range, which has sort of replaced running, you know, like yes. now you can just chunk your way four yards on first down rather than have to run the ball for four yards on first down. Um, is that is like, is the defensive scheme also playing a factor here? Possibly. And I think well, also uh, the numbers for zone are up, I believe. Like man, teams are playing man less, which means when you're playing zone, your your eyes are in towards the quarterback usually. And so you can see that running back maybe coming out versus like if you're playing man, the running back could get behind the defense. And I mean, not, yeah, you know, they don't yards see per it. attempt have, are like lower than they've been in an extremely long time. Yeah. So this, is, this sounds like a joke, but actually serious. You know how like with the, the pandemic, it, it didn't change a bunch as much as accelerated existing trends. Mm-hmm. It kind of did that for this, too, because offenses were accelerating so much that defenses had to adjust. And then the 2020 season where there was like less preseason and that gave offenses an advantage and the no crowd noise actually gave offenses a huge advantage. And that was like the big best offensive season, really like an outlier one that was so good because in lo- in some ways because of those factors that it that kind of germinated the all, the too high thing. And so in a way. That all, this whole trend, I think that you're right, Craig, but it was accelerated over the last two seasons. So big picture, though, we're saying running backs are running less, but the ro- teams are rotating their running backs more. And then within the existing runs, quarterbacks and receivers are taking a bigger share of the pie. Yep. And even checkdowns are probably more often becoming scrambles. And all that's happening within an offensive pie that also has shrunk I like what you said in the story. There's a recession in offense. So if this yeah. is the case going forward, what is, okay, give me the nut. What's happening here? Like, are we taking eight receivers in the first round next year? Or is this just a blip? <laughs> like, what's going on? I mean, honestly, that's how it feels right now. You know, you look at how the top X number, like top 10 running backs uh, in ADP prior to the season have done so far. And it's like three or four of them are pretty good. You know, like you got Derrick Henry, Eckler, and, and McCaffrey have done really well. Remind me if I'm missing anybody. Um, but Jonathan Taylor, huge disappointment. Um, 
couple other guys who just went mixed. Derrick Henry's like been the fine there. Yeah, Mixon's everybody except Camara, Austin Eckler terrible. in the first round. Yeah, everyone except Austin Eckler in the first round had a and maybe had a two week period where you wondered if you'd made a huge mistake. Right. Um, I think, and I was trying to think of like ways that running backs can kind of get around these trends and like get back to being twenty five plus point contributors. One way is we see a pendulum swing back towards the run, which I think could happen, you know, because teams are playing these two high looks. And, you know, as coaches, I, I could see coaches being like, all right, well, we're going to run them out of this. We're going to make them bring another guy down and, and into the box. And they, you know, they, they get so progressive, they're actually conservative. Well, this is, it's always a pendulum swing. The NFL is cyclical. When defenses start having smaller personnel, you start having guys come in there, they're like 220-pound linebackers, you know, and then the pendulum swings because then you got teams like the Patriots or whoever decide to use like 250-pound fullbacks and whatever and like get big offensive linemen, run the shit out of the ball, and then it starts to cycle back again, and then you have linebackers get bigger and defensive linemen get bigger and blah, blah, blah. And it like goes, it's just all in cycles. It's basically that the NFL is a is a copycat league and you see these things happen. So if that does happen, if teams decide to run more, because right now, again, rushing is down. Rushing touchdowns are down. If teams go back to the run a little bit more, we could see, you know, obviously running backs get more volume, more touchdowns. That's going to help a ton in fantasy. The other thing I think that we have to see happen, which has not really happened and may never happen, is running backs that are running more vertical routes, like more explosive plays through the air. Checkdowns are useful, clearly, but like they're just not as efficient as even like a dump off or, or even like a quick slant to a receiver is much more efficient than a dump off to a running back. Does that make sense? Like teams are more likely and would be more willing to get six or seven yards doing quick pass to a receiver versus like four yards on a dump off. And there's also like five good NFL offenses now. So maybe they need to switch <laughs> something up. Well, that's the other thing is like, I, I didn't say this, but Heifetz sort of alluded to it. Offense in general is down really, really far this, this year. Like offenses are averaging 21.9 points per game. For some in people 2020, it, it was almost 25. That's a huge, huge drop. Massive drop. So, yeah. Okay. That is indeed a Sunday scary. That's like one of those, like, that, that's how I feel after I read a story about, like, like the economy. And I'm like, oh, okay, so everyone's fine. <laughs> going not just into my a team. running cool. back recession. Right yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Okay. Uh, I have a much less comprehensive Sunday scary. I feel, <laughs> I don't know how to follow yeah. that up, but I don't have some general league-wide trend. I just think that... um. My, I'm just genuinely concerned for the, the safety of Baker Mayfield against the Niners defense and also Kenny yeah, Pickett against yeah. the Bills. I, I I don't know. I I tried cycling through a bunch of movies to try to find a comp, but I just kept coming back to... Isn't there some biblical story about a guy getting fed to lions? That's kind of all I could think about. Daniel like, in the lion's den? Yeah. Exactly. Your name is like, Daniel, and you didn't know that? Well, I'm Jewish. I think we skipped that part. I don't know. <laughs> Isn't it old? You don't, know, you don't know every biblical story about a guy named Danny? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. But uh, the, all right, all right, dude. The, I I can't. Maybe I should have led with this. The Panthers are playing in the 49ers. Like, did you see what the 49ers did to the Rams? Oh my good like, lord! The this Panthers. Be ugly. The 49ers defense. I don't have to explain. If you watch one in football, 49ers defense just wrecked the Rams. They're the yeah. number one defense by EPA. The Panthers are so fucking bad. Like at least the Bears. <laughs> Justin Field doesn't throw that we, you know, we've said over and over. Craig has an incredible bit comparing the Bears every week to the Navy midshipmen because they don't throw. But at least the Bears like can run. Panthers can't do anything. Like, like the Panthers, Baker, to give you an idea of how bad Baker Mayfield's been, there's these great, the athletic uh, Ben Baldwin has these great little charts that are all the cool stats, not cool ones, sorry, the really extremely nerdy, but <laughs> successful stats. The completion percentage over expectation and 
and EPA per play and like PFF grade. And it's all the quarterbacks charted in those little quadrants. And you want to be up and to the right. That's good. Up and to the right. That's where Patrick Mahomes is. That's where Josh Allen is. Baker Mayfield is as down and to the left on this graph <laughs> as you can possibly be. He's basically off the graph. It's like he's basically at zero in both. I've actually never seen a chart that looks like it. Baker, like, it, and it just matches the eye test. He's getting all his passes batted down. He can't complete anything beyond the easiest things. And now, and here's the thing, he hasn't even gone against teams that are that good. Now he's taking the Niners. Like, I, I just feel like he's going to get freaking hurt. I don't even know he's going to make it through this game. I feel really bad about saying in the offseason that Baker Mayfield can't be any worse than Darnold. Like, it's it's worse. Like, it's actually worse. He's no worse one has Darnold. been more vindicated than Odell Beckham's <laughs> father. At yeah. least when we thought Odell, like, Baker Mayfield was just hurt his shoulder. Actually, he just sucks. He's horrible. This is why it's like, um, it's becoming very clear why almost no teams, obviously the Panthers did end up, they traded for him, right? Like, it was like a future fifth rounder or something ridiculous. No teams wanted him. No, this is Maybe why. Maybe there was something the, to that. So I think the 49ers defense might be a top 10 player this week, period. But mm -hmm. the only, the other one, this is such a feat. This is like a feeding frenzy for fantasy defenses this week. I can't remember two matchups like this back-to-back. -back. The Bills are playing the Steelers and Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett had three picks last week and 13 passes. And now his first start, he's got to go against the Buffalo Bills. And I'm like, the Bills are also ferocious. I also, th I think the Bills and the Niners defenses this week could like both be top 10 fantasy defenses. And then if you're on, I mean, I, if you're on the Panthers, if you have fantasy players, you have to start Christian McCaffrey. Kind of don't know how you start DJ Moore. And Craig, I'm curious who you think is a Steelers fan, but it's like, oh my God, like, who are you? I, I, I kind of don't know how Kenny Pickett's going to be able to function against Buffalo. I actually think Pickett's going to be able to put up a decent stat line. I don't. I mean, the, the I think the the Bills are favored by fourteen. This is it's like the <laughs> the largest spread that the Steelers have been underdogs in like decades. Uh, fourteen. Wow. But the I, the thing about the Bills is they don't blitz a lot and they just kind of sit back and zone and just like eat you alive and make you just dink and dunk your way down the field. So while <laughs> I don't think Kenny Pickett's gonna like compete to beat the Bills. I don't think this game's going to be close. I think the Bills are going to destroy them, especially the Bills on offense. Like, the Steelers have no pass rush without TJ Watt. I think Josh Allen's going to go insane. But I could see a world in which they design this dink and dunk offense for Pickett in this game that the Bills already want teams to play anyway. So, like, I could see Pickett being, like, 25 for 38, but for, like, you know, 200 yards, a touchdown and two picks. So it's like, yeah. is there a world with, like, the Deontay Johnson types where they have, like, six, seven catches? Yes, but I don't think they're going to win the game. I want to give you a stat from Rich Rebar at Sharp Football, who's fantastic. This is, I couldn't believe this when he wrote this. Opponents have scored against the Bills in the second half on one of 20 possessions this year. Yikes. <laughs> one of 20, which Yikes. if I'm not a statistics expert, but in statistics... I think the general baseline for like the definition of a statistical anomaly is 5%. And that's what it is. So like basically like a 90, 95% of, of opponent tries against the Bills in the second half have not scored. The ones that have are anomalies. The Bills are, this is a great, I mean, the 49ers and Bills are by far the best uh, defenses when it comes to real life football, but also fantasy opponents, like fantasy quarterbacks. The Bills are giving up 10 points per game. That's like <laughs> Justin Fields. That's, that's so... like they're turning everybody into Trubisky or Justin Fields. Uh, into Navy. The, the 49ers, 9.6 points a game. <laughs> it's like and that. honestly, if leagues, if fantasy leagues 
did what they should, which is like pick sixes should not be the same as an interception, then it would be even lower because Stafford got pick six on one of the football. That's crazy. Speaking of Stafford, I mean, oh my God, talk about yeah. Sunday scaries. So these are the three offenses that I'm really worried about, the Panthers, the Steelers, and the Rams. I mean, look, Stafford, I think, could turn things around here, but the offensive line for the Rams is such a mess right now. I saw this from Austin Gale, uh, our guy, Austin Gale. Joseph Noboom, who is Andrew Withworth's replacement at left tackle this year, he's given up 20 pressures this year in four games. Whitworth gave up 20 pressures all year last year. 18. Holy years. shit. <laughs> like, it's That's tough. not good. Um, Stafford's numbers have been far worse than I even, like, realized. I, I was looking at his numbers today. Did you know that he has four touchdowns and six picks? Like, no, but that tracks. He's just been awful. He's like a bottom five quarterback in fantasy right now. Well, yeah. Robinson's dropped three touchdowns. So that doesn't, well, that doesn't help. help. They're also yeah. relying... I think there's two problems. With the, well, there's a bunch of problems with the Rams' offense, but there's really, I think, mainly two. Sean McVay's offense in LA, they've always ebbed and flowed with the quality of the offensive line. Like, mm-hmm. always, always, always. When the O-line was really good, you know, the girly years, it was going great. And then whenever they've had injuries toward the end of the year, the offense has cratered. And this year is no different, where, like, they never really had a plan for injury worth retiring. And, like, they have a bunch of guys who've been there and know the system. But then those guys get hurt and all hell breaks loose, and they're all injured as hell. I, 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 I It's just a bad situation. They're also approaching more reliant on Cooper Cup than any team I've ever watched. Like, they are yeah. already on the short list. I feel like if, Coop, like if Cooper Cup pulled his hamstring and was out for, like, three weeks... What would they do? I genuinely have no clue what this offense would be. They, it's like, I, I don't know. I also, I know that teams don't actually really double-team players very much because you, you'd actually, like, right. just, you know, like, have an open player on somewhere else in the field. But I'd love to see a defense just say fuck it and and kind of test the Rams and be like, we're actually literally going to double Cooper Cup and make you throw to Allen Robinson and Ben Skoranek. I'd love to see what they do. <laughs> I mean, for, for context, Cooper Cup has 54 targets on the season. That's, I mean, Tyler, the tight end Tyler Higby is 38. Those two guys, let's see if I can do math on the fly. That's 90 targets for the two of them. And then everyone else on the team combined is like under like 50. You know what I mean? It's like if Cooper Cup was out, this offense doesn't exist. Yeah. Cooper Cup had 145 catches last year. He's on pace for 179 this year. That's not good. It's crazy to think that uh, Cup could have like an even more historic season than he did last year when during a, a season when Stafford has looked like absolute dog shit. Yeah. He is, he's averaging 10.9 fantasy points per game so far this year. That's 33rd among quarterbacks. At this time, so through four games last year, he was averaging 22.6 fantasy points per game. He's averaging 10 points. It's remarkable that Cup has has is the only thing that has remained steady. It's like it's like you know there's you know there's functioning alcoholics. It's like the Rams are just like a functioning bad defense with Cooper Cup still. I don't know how they keep Cooper Cup alive. To round this out, to round this out, I forgot to mention they're playing the Cowboys who by the way, lead the NFL in pressures, quarterback hits. They're tied for second in sacks and second in quarterback knockdowns. They're going to I'm a little worried about Matt Stafford in this game. And yet, after all that, the Rams are favored by five and a half. And I'm taking the Rams. This line is so bizarre. They're favored? Yes. The Rams are favored by almost six well, points. But Cooper Rush is still playing. He's four and Donald. The Cowboys are three <laughs> and one. I think Cooper Rush is going to outscore Matt Stafford in fantasy. See, this line doesn't make any sense to me because I feel like everyone is all on the Cowboys. The line, we just watched the Rams on national television get demolished by the Niners line. And yet, 
This line's five and a half. Vegas knows something we don't. This was like when the Chiefs were only favored by like six against oh. Indianapolis and we were I know. all What's on going KC. On? Yeah. <laughs> I think the Rams are going to win by like 20. It's a good take, right? It's a good take. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, it, it's, this is a Costanza. Yes. This yeah, is a Costanza if they're ever it's just, It You're right. feels wrong. Something smells fishy. <laughs> all, right. all right. Cool. Next one here. All right. We're finally out of the Sunday Scaries. Um, this next award or whatever you want to call it, pre-award, uh, I'm calling it the Disney Channel original movie Motocrossed Award. And I'm giving it to Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know if anybody... Have, if you, is this a rewatchable? I have not seen Motocrossed. Ivan, were you a big DCOM guy growing up? Disney? No, the only Disney original movie I remember, it was, I had a brother, so it's Nickelodeon House. I think you're probably more Disney if you had a sister. I, the only wow. Disney, you don't think so? I don't know. You're just assigning gender norms to... <laughs> yeah, it was 2000. Those all the channels. I think, no, I think the girls are just too smart for fucking Cat Dog. That's a show for dumb little boys. And you I think was. Disney Channel original <laughs> movies are highbrow? You ever seen Cat Dog? Relatively, absolutely. Uh, SpongeBob is incredibly intelligent. How dare you? My mom thought it was making me stupider. Can I, can I stop you guys there r- real quick? Yeah. That's all. I just wanted to stop you. <laughs> that was such a dad joke. <laughs> anyway, this movie Motocross, by the way, the whole world of D- Disney Channel original movies and like the mid-aughts are just you, really, there's a deep dive. Motocross. I like the yeah. first baseman who was a chef. That was my favorite. Eddie's Million Dollar Cookoff. Great one. Uh, there's also <laughs> there's also Brink, Johnny Tsunami, there's a million. Anyway, Motocross, the plot of Motocross, and these are horrible movies that are like 80 minutes. <laughs> and it's like a, a girl secretly poses as her twin brother to win like the big motocross race when he breaks his leg and nobody knows. She just like shaves her head and like puts a helmet on nobody. I don't think anyone's going to be able to tell the difference between Teddy Bridgewater and Tua in the Dolphins offense. I think it's going to be exactly the same. Longest explanation. That was more prolonged. What was the uh, Amanda Bynes movie where she plays soccer? She's the man. I was thinking of the same thing. She's the man. Same thing. She's the man. Motocross walks, so she's the man could run. Uh, (laughs) I actually don't know which movie came first. Don't fact check me on that. Uh, But yeah, I think two and Teddy Bridgewater are just going to be pretty much indistinguishable from one another. Uh, other than the left-handed thing, right? Just um, flip the flip, like mirror the just mirror the video. Invert right. the camera. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the same thing. Uh, I never thought Tua was that special, and I think Mike McDaniel's play calling is what's special. And you know, Teddy came in after Tua left, and he was good. He put up 200 yards, a touchdown. Like Mike McDaniel's ability to create big plays and yard after the catch is why this offense works. And you just need quarterbacks who could be competent in the pocket and make the throw, which Teddy I think has always been. The Dolphins are second in receiving yards this year, they're fourth in yards per reception. Like, they are getting down the field um, a lot of yards after the catch, and they're playing the Jets. And the Jets are getting torched through the air this year. They have actually a really good run (laughs) defense. They've given up, you know, I I don't even need to get into all the stats. They're very bad against the pass this year. And I just think, if if you're nervous, if you have Tyree Kill or you have Jalen Waddell, or you have Tua and you had to add Teddy Bridgewater and you're debating starting him as like your super flex, I think it's going to be pretty much the same thing. This is such a good take. I wish he'd gone farther and said Teddy Bridgewater would be better than Tua. Honestly, maybe he will be. Maybe he'll throw for six touchdowns. This is, this ah, is excellent. I, don't know. I, can't, I don't know if I can get on board with this. Tua I do think not he's going to be solid. Tua underthrows every deep ball. Yeah, but Tua's really, he's really fast processor. Is what, I think that's why it works really well with what they, what they got going on. I don't know. It's going to be very fascinating to watch. But I, I think Tua is a good fit for the offense that, that Stan <laughs> wants to run because of his processing and um, accuracy in the short and intermediate area. So 
I just want to see if Teddy's going to get the ball out. Hit the back foot, get the ball out. If he does, then all bets are off. Like, he'll, he'll maybe he is better than Tua. All right. Uh, I didn't know what to call this. All I could think was uh, the bringing the knife to the gunfight award for the New York Giants playing the Packers. <laughs> because, except it's really more like they're bringing a running back to a quarterback fight. It's like that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark with Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. When he's the facing sword. the guy. The guy that does the sword <laughs> the dance. like, like one, Wildcat. And then Aaron Rodgers is like, I have a pistol. Craig, didn't you tell me that was ad-libbed? Did he yes. Yeah. yeah. They all had great. dysentery because they <laughs> ate some bad food wherever they were filming uh, overseas. And Harrison Ford was like literally ill and was Back like, I'm not himself. doing this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they did it a cart to take him. And it's an iconic scene now. I love it. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, I could make this tangent even longer. We got a great email about TK Metcalf, but we'll read that later. Uh, oh, yeah. We can only have one five-minute prologue between analysis. Uh, <laughs> disagree. Disagree. But again, <laughs> the Giants are playing the Packers this week, and this is the week everyone will realize that the Packers look great. Aaron Rodgers, I think this will be his best game of the year, and the Packers receivers for at least one week will get a reprieve from people asking if they suck. Because, uh, look, obviously the Giants, this just, it's the London game, first of all, didn't you say the Giants were going to get exposed last week? You did. I did. It feels like we're we're having this repeating history again. I think you're just trying to reverse jinx your Giants. Well, they did almost lose to the Bears. Like they beat <laughs> them by like eight points, and the Bears are like, I mean, because but here's why though. The obvi- I, I don't have to do much analysis on the offense here. It's like either Daniel Jones, you know, he you know obviously he has an ankle injury, and Tyro Taylor has a concussion, and then they might have to bring a practice squad Davis Webb. Saquon of the Wildcat. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if Daniel Jones does play, it's Daniel Jones hobbling like a non-mobile Daniel Jones. He's like this thought experiment that I'd always had in my head that I always hoped was like a hypothetical and I'd never see it in real life. I don't really have any interest in watching Daniel Jones without being able to run. I kind of think he's just going to be horrible. Like all the receivers are hurt too. All the receivers are hurt. Like Daniel Jones not being able to run with nobody to throw to is just this recipe for absolute catastrophe. I mean, the recipe for catastrophe is that the Giants are playing the Packers. You could have stopped there. That's you, the I don't need a full explanation as to why this game is going to be a disaster. <laughs> but that's the obvious part. The part that no one's talking about, but I think that will make the Packers look good, is the Giants also have horrible cornerbacks. Like, the Giants mm. have four healthy cornerbacks, and one of them is actually banged up. So they really have three. They have Ardori Jackson, who's actually a very good cornerback. After him, it's the worst cornerback group in the NFL, in my opinion. The Darnay Holmes, they have a slot. Their third starter, they just picked up Fabian Moreau, like from their practice squad. He's a journeyman. He's just been all over already. And he's also got added to the practice, the injury report, like today. It's Thursday. When you get hurt in the middle of the week, they're like, he's fine. That's, That's their tough. starting corner. They have one starting cornerback after, one, sorry, one healthy cornerback after those three dudes. And like, he hasn't played a defensive snap this season. His name's Justin Lane. Hasn't played a snap. And so Aaron Rodgers, I think, has his best games when the defense has to play a cornerback that just shouldn't be on the field. Like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are the two best guys that when there's a cornerback that just shouldn't be out there, they're just find 20 different ways to target him on everything. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be Lazard. I don't know if it's going to be Romeo Dobbs. But I think that you're going to see Christian Watson maybe. But the big throws that the Packers have kind of been missing this year are going to get hit. I think Rodgers will have 300 yards. I think the Packers receivers are going to look good. And you're going to see Fabian Moreau trailing Romeo Dobbs by 20 yards on the highlight on red zone. Or I guess not a red zone because it's London. What about Romeo Dobbs as the debutante award? Yeah, he could be the deb. 
Has sure. he not already kind of matured? Yeah, he kind of. I mean, he he had a really good game last week. He did drop a touchdown. Uh, maybe this is the week he actually holds on to that sucker. Rodgers is giving him the Devontae looks. It, you know, like he's getting those like one-on-one back shoulders, like the end zone targets, like the Rodgers like calls a hot route and just hits Dobbs on like a random third and four when he likes what he sees. Dobbs is yeah. really getting a lot of respect, I feel like, recently from Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah, no, th- this, that's a good call because again, the Giants defense, they played the Titans in the first game without A.J. Brown for the team. They played Baker Mayfield in week two. Week three, they had Cooper Rush and Cooper Rush kind of carved them up. And then week four, they played Justin Fields, throwing less than anyone in DK's 40-year-old lifetime. Now they get Aaron Rodgers. Like, I'm telling you, man, Packers this week, the offense. So there. Good one. Romeo Dobbs to mature. Packers to wreck him. <laughs> he sure. said it. He I said love it. that this is like commonplace now. <laughs> this in our is, podcast. by the way, the creepiest fucking thing we've ever... I hate... Just I acknowledge it. That's normalized fine. it. Yeah. No, it's... Ugh. I can't believe you, you did said that. it like almost like muscle memory right there. You're like, I know. Sure. I, I, you hear sure. it so much. You're, it's the theme <laughs> of modern times. You just flood the zone with shit. Tackle millions in prizes all football season long in FanDuel Fantasy Contest. If you're new to fantasy, get in on the action right now with a $10 bonus for playing just $1 in fantasy on FanDuel. There are so many different game types to choose from. Full slate contests featuring multiple games, season-long basketball contests, and single-game showdowns. And when you win, you'll get paid fast. So whether it is Thursday night or right before kickoff on Sunday, FanDuel always has contests available. If you want to play that Giants-Packers slate, everyone is going to have Saquon in that like MVP slot. Put Romeo Dobbs. See if you can get like 130 yards, two touchdowns. And then there you go. You just beat like 80% of people right there. Just download the FanDuel Fantasy app to get your $10 bonus now to start making every moment more. Age and location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as is non-metrable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, next up, the Mario Kart Rainbow Strip Award, which I have come to, to love this award. And again, if you ever play Mario Kart, there's like a little rainbow section that's like a turbo boost. And when you hit it, and it's like some NFL teams are kind of like that too. When you play that NFL team, it's like, whoo! just like a little speed boost for your whole offense. The Lions defense has been that. Like the Lions have literally given up the most points in the NFL. They're scoring the most. Like the Lions have the most points through four games, combined points in their games in NFL history. But you know that saying of like, you know, what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? The Lions are playing the Patriots this week, and I feel like it's like, what happens when the stoppable force hits the movable object? Because the Lions can't guard anyone. <laughs> But, like, the Patriots might have Bailey Zappi at quarterback. And what is going to happen? <laughs> well, Mac Jones did practice in a limited fashion today. I don't, he looked pretty hobbled when you, there, he was just like limping around on the field. I bet he won't play. So, yeah. That's the thing. So it's like, that's the thing. Even if Mac Jones does play, last we saw him really screaming in agony. And so I'm, if he's coming back right. and like, I'll play if humanly possible. Being healthy enough to be two notches above humanly possible doesn't mean like you're going to be good. And so I'm genuinely curious to see what happens. I don't know if the Patriots defense is going to slow down the Lions offense, but like the Lions, I don't know. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I can't even against the Lions. I guess this is my point. Even on the rainbow strip, the rainbow speed boost, I kind of can't fathom playing some of these Patriots receivers beyond. I mean, even oh, no. I guess if Jacoby Myers comes back. But this this is how bad this offense is to me. The idea of playing Hunter Henry or all these guys, again, like the Lions have made basically everybody who's gone against them like a top five, top 10 fantasy option. And I kind of can't fathom playing some of these Patriots players other than the running backs. I would backs. play the running backs. I would play Jacoby Myers. I think if you're in a pinch, 
you could maybe play Devontae Parker, but he just hasn't really gotten many targets. That's if Myers good. plays, I feel like you can play Devontae Parker. It's tough. With Bailey Zappi, maybe, or, or hobbled Mac Jones? Maybe the Patriots just kind of take a page out of the, the, the Pats-Bills game from last year, and they just run it like 45 times and just try and completely <laughs> slog the game and turn it into a mud yeah. bath. I kind of think they have to. Yeah. So yeah, maybe you could play Damian Harris and Ramondre, and it's totally fine. That's a good point. Yeah, you definitely can play those two. Also, Loki, no one's discussing this. Matt Patricia revenge game. Matt Patricia versus the Lions. Yeah, the Lions are trying to get revenge on him, right? How many players are left, though, from Patricia's team? <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing. It's never that fun. It's an institutional hatred, gone. though. Yeah, you know? yeah. But does the institution hate him back? No, that's what I'm Dan saying. Dan Campbell out there? That's like, what I'm saying. Rah, rah. The Lions just, as an institution, hate Patricia. If anyone was actually going to get their kneecap bit in the in the Dan Campbell tenure, it would be Matt Patricia in this game. Yeah. Someone just Just take a hunk out of it. All right. Who else? Craig, Mario Kart Rainbow Strip Award for you this week? Yeah, I'm I'm giving it to the Raiders Chiefs. It's the highest total of the week. And the Raiders are one in three, but they've lost those three games by a combined 13 points. They're actually top 10 in offensive points per game, the Raiders. And they're now playing the Chiefs, who uh, teams are throwing the ball more against the Chiefs than any other team. So this game's going to be a shootout. And the Chiefs have been really good against the run. We have, we saw that Bucks game last week. The Bucks were held to three yards rushing. Leonard Fournette had three carries oh, yeah. and negative three yards. Uh, can't run the ball on the Chiefs. And Derek Carr, who's been bad, he's actually been worse than Daniel Jones this year in fantasy football, which I had to take a double take at to confirm that was correct. It's incredible. But uh, yeah, the Chiefs are actually giving up a lot of points to quarterbacks, a lot of points to the air. And uh, aside from all the obvious starts, your your Devontae Adams, your Darren Wallers. Clyde, who's now the best running back in the league, I guess. Uh, you're Travis Kelsey. Like, I think everybody else is going to work as well. Like, you're Juju Smith-Schuster, who's been relatively disappointing this year. The Raiders are a bottom three team against slot wide receivers, and that's where Juju's primarily playing. Half his snaps, half his routes are coming from the slot. Guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, like, the Raiders are allowing the fourth most uh, receptions of 20-plus yards down the field. That's obviously MBS's bread and butter. Uh, and like Hunter Renfro, who's kind of also been up and down this year. He's been hurt. But the Chiefs are a bo- Chiefs are a bottom five team against slot wide receivers, just like the Raiders are. I just think there's going to be a lot of passing in this game. I think both quarterbacks are going to throw the ball forty times plus. Even Mac Collins, man, like the Raiders play a lot of eleven <laughs> yeah. personnel. Yeah. Mac Collins is out there, and when when Renfro and Hollins were playing together, Hollins was still running routes on ninety percent of the passes. Like I just think there's going it's going to be like Thanksgiving dinner for these offenses. <laughs> wow, I'm all in. Do we think it's finally going to be a Darren Waller game? I actually think Chiefs are better against tight ends than than they are against wide Son receivers. Okay, but um, you can't, I mean the tight end is such a bleak landscape. You can, what are you going to do? Sit there, Waller? Waller. Yeah. DK, you got a rainbow strip? Yeah, I just add one real quick here. The other game I'm excited about from a fantasy point of view: the Eagles at Cardinals. Mainly because the Cardinals have been pretty terrible. This also has this is the second highest over under the week, forty nine and a half. Um, the Cardinals have given up the fifth most points this year, sixth most yards per play, tenth most pass yards. And they're tied for fifth in most passing touchdowns given up. So I think that Jalen Hurts could have a big week. I think Goddard especially could be in in line for a big night or big afternoon. Third most uh, fantasy points to tight ends the Cardinals have given up. Their middle of the field coverage has been not very good. So I'm excited to see this one. I think the Eagles are just like appointment viewing at this point. You know, they're just fun to watch. And so and the Cardinals kind of are too, but in an opposite for opposite reasons, they're just kind of a clusterfuck. And so. Yeah, I'm excited about this game. I still think Kyler Murray's a buy low with DeAndre Hopkins coming back in two weeks. And Kyler Murray's still a top 10 quarterback. I think he's seventh right now. He started fantasy. running a little bit more this last game too, which is nice. It's hard to trade for good quarterbacks though. It you is. You know what I mean? People, like, it's, 
you get excited about having a good quarterback and then writing off the idea of having, because you're not going to get Jalen Hurts back, right? You're basically saying, I'm going to just roll with like, uh, like the Derek Carr. Someone's like, I'll give you Aaron Rodgers. And you're like, oh, but like, it's like an identity. It's like my, I, but I was like this cool team and I'm just not that anymore. You can only really trade quarterbacks in a two quarterback fantasy league. It's difficult to trade for a good quarterback in one quarterback league. Like it, it can be done, but. Because you usually have to swap quarterbacks and then I, most people just don't want to do that. It's, what's that, what's that mean? It's like, you're not that guy, pal. It's like, you kind of yeah. have to admit like, you're not that, like, it's tough, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to do. All right. Well, speaking of which, I, we talked a lot about the Falcons and, and Kyle Pitts and Happy Gilmore. And I kind of was thinking about the, the Falcons <laughs> this week. It's like, I, I wonder if Happy's going to have to putt because the Falcons don't like to throw. Like the Falcons. Oh, again, yeah. There's only two teams with less than 100 pass attempts. The Falcons and the Bears. And you don't want to be in a list I want of Arthur Smith to lean into this stuff. I want them to throw a lot this game. And then in the post-game interview, he goes, uh-oh, Arthur learned how to pass. Yeah. So the Falcons, <laughs> well, they ran 14 times in a row last week. I, so the, they're playing the Bucs, and the Bucs ostensibly have one of the best run defenses in football. They haven't been as good this year. And I think one of two things are going to happen. I think if Kyle, so Kyle Pitts also, Kyle Pitts has a hamstring injury. Yeah. And this is how I think it's going to go down. He might not play. Yeah. If Kyle Pitts plays, I bet the Falcons are going to say, fuck it, and they're going to run on the Bucs anyway. They're going to just, just run all over the Bucs. However, I part of me wonders, Kyle Pitts misses the game. And the Falcons just, all right, you know what? Screw it. And they pass. And then freaking Parker Hess, whatever his name is, the backup tight end, has a better game than P- Kyle Pitts has all season. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, if you're a Kyle Pitts fantasy manager, if he doesn't play, you could still start him because it's not going to be that different than uh, plays, so. the dad jokes are contagious. I like to picture Arthur Smith and like Kyle Pitts and Marcus Mariota going to a mini golf thing and like learning how to putt. <laughs> just like destroying the clown. You're going to die, clown! It's Mariota trying to like spin a pass through like a little window and he can't do it. Keeps closing. Clown. I hate that clown. (laughs) If you can't beat the clown, how are you going to beat Shooter? (laughs) You're going to die, clown. If you can't beat the clown, how are you going to beat Todd Bowles? (laughs) I bet that is what Falcons practice is like. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of this game, a dumb narrative, I actually believe. Speaking of revenge games, I kind of think Julio Jones, even though he can barely walk, is going to have like 200 yards in this game. I also think Brady buys into this shit and likes to stoke 100%. that. 100%. Brady's admitted that like he would get Gronk the contract incentive touchdowns or whatever in like week 18 or whatever. Like Brady Same with Mike Evans. Remember yeah. when he had targeted Antonio Brown like five times in one game just to get him the incentive of like Antonio Brown made like $200,000 or whatever if he just caught this many passes and Brady just got him in at the end of a game. Brady cares. Anyone who tells you Julio Jones doesn't give a shit about wrecking the Falcons is fucking wrong. Like, Julio Jones gives a tremendous shit about wrecking Atlanta. He's always just rocked the divisional opponents. Like, he's very competitive, and he just... Remember, like, randomly, he'll just have 300 yards against the Panthers. I think that it's going to be kind of like that against the Falcons. Like, I don't know if he's healthy enough to play more than 30 snaps. I kind of feel like he's going to have 150 yards and two touchdowns on those 30 snaps, though. I don't know if I, I don't have the gall to play him. I really don't have the chutzpah to play him. But I kind of just won't be. I think that he's going to be like straight up a top five receiver on the day. Am I, what am I forgetting from the breakup between the Falcons and Julio? Does he, is there bad blood there? He wanted to go. Uh, he wanted out. Right. Like he and wanted. He got you remember, out. he was on the phone with Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp called him. Oh, yeah. He's like, you want out? Julio's like, yeah. 
Oh shit! I don't want to go. About that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. He's like, they got to get rid of me. Yeah, yeah. That was like, actually insane. Them again. Yeah, Shannon Sharp just called him. He's like, like, does yeah, he know that you're anymore. live on fucking TV? I'm or whatever? sure he knew. <laughs> and then every head coach hopped on a plane to Atlanta to try and court Julio. Anyway, I think shout out Julio Jones. Okay, Craig, you want to Costanza us a little bit? You got any Costanzas other than our openings? Costanza with the uh, the Cowboys line. Yeah, so the Costanza award or prediction is that if every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite must be right. Guys, I know I've been saying a lot about the Chicago midshipmen. But I think (laughs) Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet will be serviceable this week. The Bears have literally been worse than the Navy midshipmen. Not only only Mooney, but Komet too? Yes. You're really going out on a limb here. Okay. So games that the Bears have played have averaged a <laughs> league-wide low, 117 combined offensive plays. However, uh-huh. I think the Bears are going to throw for 200-plus yards this weekend, which is saying something. Because if you look at it, okay, so they're playing the Vikings. Yards. The Bears barely had 200 total yards in their first game. Playing the Vikings, I think they're going to have to throw the ball. Minnesota's terrible versus the pass. Third worst completion percentage, fourth worst in yards per attempt, blah, 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 all the way down it. Receivers, tight ends, they're not good. Uh, Vikings are a strong offensive team. They're going to score a lot. This game's at home for the Vikings. They're in a dome. The Vikings are third in, 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 in seconds per play. So they're going to keep the pace moving. They're going to cause, they're going to get Chicago the ball more, uh, more plays, more points is usually how it goes. I think the Bears are going to have no choice but to throw in this game. The last three weeks, Fields has thrown for 11 attempts, 17 attempts, and 22 attempts, respectively. He's increasing exponentially. <laughs> he's like, he'll have a million attempts by the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have 11 to the 10th power attempts. Uh, the Niners, Dude, I can tell you peruse the stats. That's right. Look, oh, we have wow. so many vocabulary inside jokes today. Yeah. But the Bears kind of, if you look at their schedule, they've been playing teams that either have good Ds or terrible offenses, which is like kept the totals low and kept the games ugly. They played the Niners in a monsoon. They played the Packers defense in Lambeau. And then they played the Texans and the Giants. Like they haven't really played a team yet that, that, that has a bad defense and will have a lot of points, which is the Vikings. So I, I think they're going to have no choice but to throw against a defense that is vulnerable against the pass. I hear what you're saying, but you know what the other common thread in all those games is? They just keep the running? No, the Bears <laughs> played the, <laughs> the games. I feel like you left that part out. Fields is just terrible. Remember Michael Scott when he was like, I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> and they're like, you can declare it, but it doesn't, that doesn't actually mean anything. <laughs> I, this is a great Costanza because you're certainly right. Every instinct in my bones is just like, well, this is the worst idea I've ever heard. I was just, I was just looking at my, my fantasy team and I'm trying to like make some trades and I'm trying to toss a receiver in to sweeten the deal. And I, I have Darnell Mooney sitting there on my bench and I'm like, I can't believe how quickly his reputation in the Bears fantasy players has changed in four weeks. Like, how are we all so off about this? Darnell Mooney was expected, we hyped him up three weeks before the season started as like sleepers 2.0. We were like, oh, Mooney, someone's got to catch passes. He could be the Brandon Cook. It's exactly the same as the Panthers where we were like, well, it couldn't be worse than last year. And then actually, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the like worst. far worse. Yeah. Well, they're, not even tr- they, they're not even trying. It's they took a defensive head coach and the defensive head coach's mentality is more or less if you just don't fuck up, my defense will win the game. Yeah. They absolutely believe that. Yeah, And so they're like, you know, the best way to have Justin Fields not fuck up is what if he threw the ball less than Give anybody the ball in 40 else. years? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be 24 to 3 in the third quarter. So I think they're going to have to throw. Get run to come back. 
I will give you that if this is this is the call, then this is this is your most impressive call of the year. It's the first time they've played a team that's going to score a lot of points and has a bad defense. They haven't played that team yet. Craig, I want to ask you a question because I I got to ask this on Twitter and I responded. You might not like this. Someone asked me, should I drop Mooney for George Pickens? Yes. And I, and I said yes. Yeah. Yeah. Would, okay. Yeah, it's more upside Just check for sure. Just gut check there. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud, or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. All right, so those are the categories. We have some funny-ass emails, but DK, you want to round up the injuries with the Hot Tub Club before yeah, we get to some emails? Hot Tub Club, this is the injuries to track going into the weekend. Obviously, we don't know exactly who's playing, who's not, because it's not late enough in the week. But here we go. DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown, both are tracking towards not playing again. Both have not, Neither guy has practiced this week yet, um, so that's not looking good. Kyle Pitts of the Falcons did not practice with a hamstring injury on Wednesday or Thursday. It seems like he's tracking towards not playing as well. Um, David Montgomery of the Bears actually back at practice, surprisingly, on Thursday. Um, I thought we, we kind of went into the week thinking he was probably like a multi-week absence based on, you know, the severity of what it looked like he had in terms of his ankle injury. But he might play. He's back at practice limited on Thursday. Watch on Friday and Saturday how it kind of goes. But we'll see. CeeDee Lamb popped up on the injury report on Thursday, which is a bit of a surprise. Groin injury did not participate in practice. But he said, he told reporters he's planning on playing. I would say players are not necessarily the most reliable when it comes to that kind of stuff, but it, it does feel like he's still going to play. But you got to track what this is happening here. If he doesn't practice again on Friday, you know, be on the lookout on Saturday and Sunday and maybe have to swap him out. Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston both did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Both guys look like they're turning towards not playing. That means Andy Dalton. Another game of Andy Dalton. Lovely. And then one more, actually two more things to kind of track here. Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dodson for the Commanders both did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Samuel has an illness. Don't know what it is yet at this point. Jahan Dodson, I believe, has a hamstring or groin injury, and so he's trending towards not playing. But Curtis Samuel is the one to monitor here because he's been really, really good. And then I think that's about it. Kadarius Tony was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday, then did not practice on Thursday. This fucking guy. He's just he's resting. <laughs> What's going on with this? Hyphens, are, Hyphens gave up on this before the season started. Craig and I, I think, still have some hope. I, I got to tell you, look, I, 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 I have a lot of misses on my resume. I haven't <laughs> missed on a Giants issue of substance in literally years. I'm just, I'm just, I'm doubling down. I'm tripling down. I'm pumping yeah, money into all the Bitcoins right now. I, I, I know want Tony Kadarius. could totally be something if he gets 50, 60 snaps a game. I just, I mean, I, I, if, we're so we're not close to close. We're like, oh, well, all these guys are hurt. It's like he's not even an 
active. Well, he practiced on Wednesday, and then he yeah. did not oh. practice today. That's the that's why I was like, this see, so back. they saw what they needed to see on Wednesday. Here's the thing, and then now they don't need him. They don't need to see anything now. He'll just rest <laughs> till Sunday. We're talking about the game, not practice. JJ Watt, talk about practice. JJ Watt is out here tweeting. By the way, I have like AFib, and what did they that mean? By the way, what did that mean? I think it means that his heart was atrial fibrillation irregularly. Like, yes, you have like occasional heart palpitations and like your heart beats out of rhythm. You know who's not missing practices back to back? Fucking JJ Watt. Kadarius Tony's okay, out well, here that, like don't... almost a decade younger. <laughs> it's like, okay, what does that have to do with Kadarius Tony? <laughs> Just saying. Kadarius Tony has had nine different injuries. What, what He's played in like here? four football games. Yeah, it's tough. Tony has been in the hot tub so long. That man's pruned up right now. <laughs> yeah, he's pruned. He's pruned. He's, he's pruned. The persona, once again, the personification of the hot tub club. I had to mention him because he's literally like the mascot of the hot tub club. So, yeah. You know you know the Will Ferrell sketch an uh, SNL of him and Rachel Dratch in the hot tub? And he yeah. just lives in there? My That's K- Kadarius Tony. Just <laughs> inviting other people in. Welcome in, young man. No, you know what you guys uh, are with Tony? It's the Arrested Development thing where it's like, Oh, you know, people that never works for anybody. People just delude themselves into thinking it works. But it's like, but it could work for us. You two are like every week. It's like Kadarius Tony. He's always hurt. He never plays, but he could play this week. You think he's every never week. ever gonna play again? He'll never play. It's like the Todd Gurley bet. It's like he'll just never play football. He's, <laughs> he's done. He's never, he's, done. <laughs> he's never gonna get into a game. Ever he's never. Again. He's never catching another pass. Uh, okay, we got a couple incredible emails. So. This first one is from U- Utah. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. It's a Japanese name. It's uh, Y-U-T-A. But a little prologue for this. When Alvin Kamara was ruled out, surprisingly, for the Saints game when they were in London, a lot of people, a lot of people emailed us, basically, uh, people wanted their commission, people were benched him by actors, started him, and he didn't get any points. People wanted commissioners to, like, reverse it. Uh, and then we got an excellent email from a, someone in Australia saying, uh, everyone who's complaining about waking up for the London game can fuck off because we get up <laughs> three in the morning to set our lineups in Australia. I don't want to hear shit. And we thought it was really funny. We got a follow-up email from Utah who writes, I'm a, I'm a rare Japanese fantasy footballer. I currently live in the United States, but I was playing from Japan last year, which is a similar time zone as Australia. Mm. And when I was hearing about setting lineups at three in the morning start times for the games, one of you three guys said, I wouldn't be able to sleep on Saturday night. Oh, F off, all of you. (laughs) DK, you and I both joked like, oh, the Australians, like they're so badass. Like they get up at three in the morning. Well, no, what (laughs) you writes and all all caps is, it's not Saturday. It's Sunday night. (laughs) It's one thing to stay late on Saturday night. It's a whole different thing. It's staying up late into Sunday night. In Japan, the early slate kicks off at three in the morning on, on Monday fucking morning. That's so it's weird. three in the morning on Monday, <laughs> and then the late games are 6 a.m. on Monday, all caps. Then they have to get up and go to work for the whole week. And so Yuta writes, yes, I would set my alarm to make sure I wake up before both kickoff times to set my light up. And because America is a broken country, country practicing daylight savings time, it gets bumped back to 4 a.m. and 7 a.m. in November. Oh so for the three <laughs> in the morning goodness. slate, I could go to bed at 1.30 after the inactives are announced and sleep till 5.45. But then the 4 a.m. start time is ridiculous. 
it's the game we play, so I push through. And to be honest, my wire just now my body is now just wired to wake up at three or four in the morning without an alarm clock, which oh my God. Oh wow, because of all that. And then Yuda says, Oh, and did I mention that I have kids? <laughs> and yes, the bathroom that. is my sanctuary. So Wow. Uh I thought that was humbling. It's just weird to me to think that people in that time zone, so like Australia, Japan, whatever, all that Southeast Asia, like they're just living in the future compared to us. They're living in fucking Monday when we're in Sunday. That's so bizarre to me. What is what that? How, how does that? Work? It, yeah, it's it's like when you're sun. You're getting the Sunday scaries because it's four o'clock on Sunday, and people in Japan are at work on Monday. <laughs> That's so weird. It's also like it's weird enough when I go to the East Coast and we're like trying to do some work, and it's like you know it, it's noon. We're eating lunch, and then people at, at the LA office are starting to get up. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they're getting into work. That is just, I mean, that's like a very micro scale. Oh, that's like me. Every fucking time we record a like show and I just reset Literally you guys. right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like every time I get a slack at like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I, start, I don't want to answer I, this. This is a peek behind the curtain. I got really mad at Ifits because he was holding up a fantasy draft. Oh, my like, God. During was, the summer. Oh, I've never <laughs> been was, so mad at you in my and life. And I didn't realize that it was literally like 1130 his time. <laughs> On Saturday <laughs> night. And I was like, email draft. dude, you're holding it up. And he's like, I think I think almost if he was in my presence, he would have murdered me. <laughs> was, oh, my God. OK. All right. All right. We also got a pretty, another pretty incredible email from Jonathan. 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 Uh, you guys, yeah, you guys, you're guy right. mentally or elsewhere right now. I can tell. Uh, it's too early here. Yeah. Just, 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 yeah just I'm trying to figure out what time it is in right now. <laughs> So the other, pro- again, so DK Metcalf last week got carted off the field, but he just had to take a shit. And so mm. then we got an email from someone saying that the Patriots used to have a special teamer named Larry Izzo, who actually confer- like took a shit on the sideline to not have to leave the game, and then actually got the game ball from Bill Belichick. And Larry Izzo is very proud of this. So we got an email. DK, you know what Larry Izzo's doing right now? No. Special teams coordinator for the Seahawks. He's, a, Larry he's one Izzo of the coaches? Is one of the coaches. Jonathan pointed this out. And his point that is, is remarkable. Did Larry Izzo bring in the <laughs> cart for DK Metcalf? <laughs> That's passing the torch. I I knew this name sounded familiar. I mean, obviously he was a player, so heard of him. So do you think Larry Izzo was trying to convince DK Metcalf to shit on the sideline and he was like, no? And the argument <laughs> took so long that they had to cart him off. Oh man. Bathroom coordinator? Larry Izzo? Bathroom Special team slash bathroom coordinator? It's like the holdback guy that holds the coach back on the sidelines. Like you need to. But it's the opposite. Who's... Yeah, they're just like <laughs> setting you go. They're like, "Come on, we got." Wow, I did not know that. No, I didn't. All right, I think that's that. Once we do that, there's not much. Fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Check out our rankings for week five. Again, click on the little position buttons. You can see all the positions. Fantasyfootball.theringer.com. There's our rankings. Start sit. We'll update those again Sunday morning once we get like inactives and who's out one last time. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Jesse, for production help. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thank you, Bad Company. Ooh, nice. What's the biggest Bad Company song? Uh, Feel Like Making Love, I think. Oh, yeah. Can't get enough. That's a great song. Feel like making love. (laughs) Dude, I've been getting really into like all these. When was, when were they? Is this 70s, 80s? Dude, like the late 70s? Yeah, 80s, I think. I don't know. 70s? Yeah, Dad Rock. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Like, Bad like, Company. Like, so their album with... Uh, no, you're right. 70, mid-70s. Straight Shooter was in 1975. 
My girlfriend's father has convinced me to listen to a lot more like Electric Light Orchestra in Kansas. Yeah. It's, just, it's just fantastic. Dude, like <laughs> Sister Christian by Night Ranger, those songs just absolutely bang. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Anyone know that one? Sister no? Christian. Yeah. Wow. Craig, did you know, do you know the song um, Final Countdown by Europe? Of course. Yes. Arrested Development. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> My college friends and I, when we were playing beer pong in college and afterwards, we sang <laughs> that afterwards. tune before every game. And then, like, cheers. To oh, them. really? Yeah. Our flip cup, not, not beer pong flip cup. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just love all that, like, I don't know, like, concert rock, late 70s, like, Foreigner. Yeah. You know, yeah. feels like the first time by Foreigner. I'm just, like, really vibing with that stuff right now. It's great. When I gotta say, there was... You know how, like, our, like, Craig, our parents' generation's always like, I guess DK, I don't know if DK, you know, you could be our father. And it's like, they're like, make <laughs> the best be music father. ever. And I'm like, he could no. not I'm be like, our father. They... <laughs> <laughs> He'd be 12 when he had it. <laughs> 12. Is that, it? Is that the math? Hey, that's when you yes. get bar mitzvah at 13. You're a man. Well, in now. the old days, Craig, you never know. True. Anyway, what were you saying, Heifetz, about fathers? I don't know. Oh, no, it's our parents' generation though, is like, we had the best music. I'm like, yeah, but it's like, because you know the whole thing of like, old music's eating new music, right? Like with streaming and everything. Spotify, mm -hmm. shout out. But it's like, people just are choosing to listen to old music more so. Like our generation. I feel like our music is merging with old music. Like yes. our new music isn't new. It's just recreated to sound like old music. Dude, I went to, I went to see Elton John. I saw this Elton John concert and he comes out of the, um, uh, the encore and the first song he has is the is the song he did with Dua Lipa. And all these people, oh, everyone over 40 was like, what the fuck is this song? Yeah, that would have been yeah. me. I would have uh, not known But that. I loved it. But yeah, it's like there's so many more. At first, I thought it was more like, you know, old musicians trying to drag with younger ones. But honestly, no, it's like a whole, I feel like it's a, a renewed effort now for like younger ones to tag up with older people too. Well, well and think about it, like, like, there was no bands in the 80s. Like, the biggest bands in the 80s, like None. Journey, were not, they were not making music to sound like, they were like, we're going to come out with a 50s album, you know? But like, oh, Dua yeah, Lipa, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm going to come out with an 80s album. Greta Van Fleet, it's like, we're just going to sound like Led Zeppelin. I think that there's overall, to oversimplify it, there's a tremendous FOMO among people who grew up with phones for the pre-phone era. I, also, I think nostalgia culture is just really pervasive right now and i think it's it's cool to go back in time and like modernize old music yeah you know I, someone said someone told me this too like when i was growing up like quote-unquote oldies so like there was oldies radio stations you know in my hometown and they were playing like stuff from the 60s and everything and now like relative to like the distance between when i was listening to those and like they were at their quote-unquote oldies now oldies would be like Dr. Dre, like the 2001 yeah, album or something. They're, they're like, in the 60s. They're playing the Super <laughs> Halftime Show. That's because you're old. Crazy. It's not like they didn't just start having cool music at the Halftime Show. It's like they're also, they're still playing they're now old oldies. people. <laughs> There's a reason Snoop, like Snoop Dogg low key. Yeah. Can you guys guess how old Snoop Dogg is? 63. I would say 50s or something. Uh, he's young. Uh, sorry, Dre is older. He's only 50 actually. But Dr. Dre is like 60. He's 50. That's weird. Yeah, Dr. Dre is old. weird. But like, you know, like you said, I have its parents are like, oh, back in our day, like music was so good back in our day. It's not as good as the music today. They're right. And I think when we are older, when I'm yeah. 60, I'm not going to be saying music in my day was the best because it wasn't. I think like, <laughs> I'm not going to look back on Dynamite by Teo Cruz and be like, man, those were the times. I was you thinking I mean? the same thing of like, because you end up, you're most oh, nostalgic. Oh, Bruno Mars? 
Well, it's like Chris Ryan said this before. It's like you're most nostalgic for the music that you were listening to around the time you started having sex. And I think the technology is probably the same way. But like, I agree. It's I do like, not feel that way. <laughs> you don't? Well, then no, blame Chris like, Ryan. I, I stole that from him. When, when I'm 50, I'm not going to be like, turn this crap off and put on Nicki Minaj, son. I'm just not, I, no, I not agree. No, I, I agree. It's like, that's what I'm like nostalgic for, but it's not the best. It's like, Katie it's my Perry. favorite, but it's not yeah. the best. Yeah, firework, yeah. Like, who's our Fleetwood Mac? Like, you know what I mean? Well, the other crazy thing... Weezer. Harry Styles? Weezer's not our, by the way. Well, mine. Yeah, yours. <laughs> the, the other crazy thing is those artists have gotten paid sevenfold because those artists, like, obviously they've been touring for like 40, 50 years, but they got, they sold physical records. Right. Then they sold CDs. Then they were selling like tapes. Then they sold it on iTunes. Now they're getting the streaming money. And now they're. I think it went tapes first, then CDs. I don't know. I'm, I wasn't fucking alive. I don't know. <laughs> There's well, eight I, all I know is Springsteen don't forget had the about first A-tracks. CD. I, I actually was so unsure what when an A track came in on that. I didn't say it. But now Springsteen and Neil, you know, they're all selling off the catalogs. So it's like they're they've cashed in on like all the different technologies. It's so easy now on like TikTok to to find old music and remix it and, and put it out there for people. Like ABBA is arguably bigger than it's been since the 70s right now. Like 18-year-olds are discovering ABBA because oh, it's Oh, so, Mamma Mia. Well, I guess. But like ABBA is like the last year of ABBA, they have seen sales higher than they've seen in like 20 years. It's the, it's This is unprecedented in, in how people are discovering old music. Well, I love well you ABBA. know what's fun? I guess here's the, 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 the key thing that I think is interesting is we were just on the NFL show with Solak and Reese, and obviously Solak has like not seen that many older movies. And I haven't seen a ton of movies that are around before. And I think that if you are not directly introduced to music or movies that are older than you by your parents or something, it's kind of hard to be catch up. Right. Music's not like that at all. Like, I feel like the music, older music from the 60s, 70s, 80s has been passed down so much more seamlessly through culture than really anything else. Yeah, because you don't have to, well, you don't have to watch a song for an hour and a half or whatever. Like you can listen to a couple of good songs in like a few minutes. You're like, whoa, this is really good. Yeah. Also just like much easier to access music than it is movies. Like like if I was like, how can I watch a movie right now? It's like, well, there's 20 different platforms that you could potentially find the movie on (laughs) or you'll have to pay for it. And a song, you can just hop onto Spotify and find any song you want that's ever been made. Shout out Spotify. Listen to us on Spotify, please. There we go. All right. right. Goodbye, everyone. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.